together. Good morning, church, and well, good morning. Welcome to our neighbors. Glad to uh, have you uh, to worship together with you this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Happy New Year to you. Um, I can't believe that we're almost 10 days into 2022. I feel like um, we just keep keep on rolling on. Here we are. And uh, as our second Sunday in January, we wanted to start a new series, and um, it, it's I don't know. Do I have any fellow Grinches? Are there any Grinches in here just about Christmas? Like in general? No, I'm the only one. I'm okay. I'm, I'm coming to grips with that. <clears throat> Jesse's making me better. Um, do I have any like New Year's resolution Grinches? Anybody who's like, nah, I don't know. Because, yeah, okay. So like I, uh, Pastor Oren, who's pastor in Lakeland, he, his New Year's resolution every year is not to make a New Year's resolution because he feels like that's something he can keep. Um, because as we make New Year's resolutions, uh, we're trying to figure out a way to be better. We're trying to make some new commitments. We want to start new habits, something like that. We acknowledge that like this is a good opportunity to maybe try to try harder and buckle down. But many of us make resolutions kind of tongue in cheek. We're like, yeah, I'm going to start this, but everybody knows like we're nine days in, and I know the odds of us having slipped up on our New Year's resolution is pretty high. We kind of make these resolutions tongue-in-cheek. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about a new year and thinking about what's going on, um, it kind of occurred to me that there's a question that has never occurred to me before. And the question is, how do we grow? Um, if you've had the experience of raising children, you'll notice that like, you just kind of keep feeding them, and one day you turn around, and they're as tall as you. Um, watching Stephen come across the parking lot this morning, I was like, who is that man? And it's the little Stephen. I can remember, can remember putting my elbow in the top of his head, and now I can't do that. Um, he might break my arm. Um, we just kind of grow. As kids, we eat and we sleep and we eat and we sleep and we eat and we sleep, and we don't do anything about it. We don't think about it. Uh, we just kind of grow. And when we get to be adults, we try to make resolutions, and, and maybe we've never asked the question, well, how is it that we actually grow? Like, what, what's involved in it? And as I was considering that, as I was trying to break it apart, I realized, like, this is a more complicated question than I can address in one week, so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks asking this question, hopefully coming to some answers of this question. Um, but as we begin, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. It's our habit here at Neighborhood Church to pray together the Disciples' Prayer. Uh, you might know this as the, um, the Lord's Prayer. This is the model of prayer that Jesus left for the people that follow him. It's not magic. It doesn't uh, cast a spell or anything like that. But this is how Jesus wants us to pray. And if we're going to pray together, it's helpful for us to use some of the same words. So if you're not familiar with it or this translation, it's there on the screen. Um, but, and so I'd invite you to pray with me out loud if you'd like to. But at the very least, would you bow your hearts? And let's begin together this morning praying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I began to take apart this question, how do we grow, I was reminded by another pastor of a small story, a small parable that Jesus told. So I invite you to turn with me to that parable. I'm going to be in Mark chapter 4. 
Um, and if you want to use these blue Bibles that are in the room, um, they're probably tucked under a chair in front of you or under your chair or on the, beside you. It's on page 1048 in these blue Bibles, Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to have to turn there too. Mark chapter 4. And verse 26, this is a really short parable, um, but I think it helps us to get started asking this question, how do we grow? Jesus is speaking, Mark chapter 4, verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So this is a really short story that Jesus tells, a short parable, and he's, he's trying to explain what the kingdom of God is like. And he actually, this whole chapter is, is a lot of agricultural, um, agricultural stories. He tries to use these metaphors about growing things to explain a spiritual truth about how the kingdom of God works. And so he says at the very beginning, the kingdom of God is like a guy who just scatters seed and he scatters seed and he goes to bed and he wakes up and he goes to bed and he goes to, and he wakes up and the seeds grow and they develop and they become a plant and the plant become, has fruit on it and then he goes and he harvests it. He doesn't have to know how it works in order for it to bear fruit, in order for it to function. Um, so the, the, the point, I think, of the parable is there at the end of verse 27. He, the seed grows, and he knows not how. Things happen, and we can't necessarily describe how they happen. We can't necessarily take them apart. Um, but there, there are forces of God at work in the world making things to grow. Um, and so... Uh, there's, a, there's another preacher in the Bible. Uh, he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 11, um, he writes, As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones of the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether both alike will be good. So that preacher says, you don't actually know how it is that life begins, and then you don't know whether uh, the seed that you're sowing is going to be good seed or bad seed until you sow it. So sow everything, because you don't know whether you're going to get nothing or you're going to get double. Sow it all. You don't know. We don't know how this works. So Jesus' point is we don't know how things grow, and the preacher's point is we don't know how things grow, and so this whole series is actually just a waste of time. We can close in, in prayer and go home now. We don't know how it happens. We're powerless. It, it doesn't work, right? Um, my, my fellow New Year's resolution Grinches are like, yeah, I told you so, right? Um, that's not the only story that, that Jesus told. He actually uh, spends a lot of time talking about agriculture and talking about how things grow. But at the very beginning, I want us to acknowledge that there are some things that are beyond our control that we were created in this world, and there are forces at work in this world that we don't get to influence. God does what God wants to do. And sometimes we don't get to say what grows or what dies. Sometimes it's beyond our control. 
Um, plants can be like this too. Um, some of you know, like one of my my uh, my interests is horticulture and plants and, and how things grow. Plants are actually um, I want to say plants are simple, but they're not at all. So everybody knows uh, from our middle school biology class what plants need to grow. So what what is it? What you got, Stephen? You mumbled something I couldn't hear. What do plants need to grow? Sunlight, okay. There's like four elements. Water, soil, sun, water, soil. Did I hear food or did I want to hear? Okay, food. Yes, food. So we got food, we got sun, we got soil, and we got water. That's what plants need. Except it depends on what kind of plant you want to grow. Um, we live here in Florida, and so if you want to grow um, one of those trees with the, the knees, what are they called, the cypress knees? If you want to grow a cypress tree, you actually have to plant that seed in a bog. You have to put it in, in the marsh where it has a ton of water. And they can grow in dry land. They don't grow as well, but they, they need their, their, their roots to be soaking in water all the time. If you planted pretty much any other plant you buy at Lowe's in water, it would die. And yet... A cypress tree needs to be planted in water. Um, one of the things that we said was, was dirt. However, there are a whole group of plants called orchids. They're called epiphytes. And epiphytes grow by attaching themselves to something that's not dirt. If you plant an orchid in the dirt, it will kill it. The dirt will, the dirt, the dirt will suffocate the roots of the plant. The roots are designed to actually grab onto a tree, and as water runs past, as nutrients run past, they soak it up from next to the bark of the tree. They're not parasites. They're not growing into the tree to suck the life out of the tree. They just grow on a tree, and dirt would kill them. However, there's a group of orchids called terrestrial orchids that have to be planted in the ground, but they can't be planted in the ground that's too dry. It has to also have some water, but it can't be too wet because then it would um, rot. Well, all plants need is sun and water and um, you know, soil, right, and, and some food. But the question's a little bit more complicated than that. If you want a plant to grow, you ought to give it some food, right? However, and the most common nutrient in any fertilizer that you get is going to be called nitrogen. Most plants need nitrogen to grow. However, there are plants that their whole goal is to uh, fix nitrogen. And so if you give them nitrogen, it will kill them. They actually take uh, chemicals out of the environment and turn it into nitrogen and put nitrogen back into the soil. But if you put, soil, put um, nitrogen into the soil, it'll kill the plant. All, like, are you confused yet? Yeah, cool, perfect. Like, normally that's not my goal. Normally I want to bring some clarity, but I do want to introduce this confusion of, like, how do things grow? Well, it depends. It depends on who you are. It depends on where you come from. It depends on where you're trying to get to, what you need. And some of you might need a ton of sunlight. Cactuses need a lot of sunlight. They won't survive if it's dark. Orchids, will, their leaves will burn off if they get direct sunlight. So... How do things grow? How do people grow? And what strategies do we typically come up with to force growth in ourselves? So I, like, when people get plants, they're like, what do I need with this? Like, well, what kind of plant is it? I don't know what kind of plant it is. Well, then I don't know what it needs. I don't know how to help you. Um, 
we sometimes look at ourselves like, I want to grow. I want to accomplish this. I want to set this resolution. I want to get to this point. And we don't know ourselves. And we don't necessarily know what we need. What are the strategies that we typically come up with to force growth in ourselves? What are the strategies we come up with to force growth in others? Because oftentimes, we might think that we're really OK. We don't need to grow that much. But I know exactly what you need to grow in, right? What are the strategies we come up with to force growth in others? Um, this is why I think if you go to Walmart, like the biggest section of books that are for sale in Walmart are self-help books. Like, help yourself. Figure, out, figure it out. Make yourself grow. And oftentimes, this is just the result of like a sheer force of will. Like, I know that I'm going to stop smoking this year. And so I'm just going to stop. And I'm going to do it by force of will. And when somebody offers me a cigarette, I'm going to say, no, I'm stopping smoking until like, I really, really want one, and somebody offers me one. I'm like, yeah, it's a bad day. <clears throat> so oftentimes, we use the sheer force of will. We put restrictions on ourselves, dietary restrictions. Um, sometimes we go the opposite direction. We say, you know what? Like, if I want something, it must be good for me. And so I'm just going to take all the restrictions off. Like, if I want it, it must be good for me. So I'm going to eat what I want. I'm going to smoke what I want. I don't really care. Nobody can tell me how to live my life. And that's my resolution, is I'm going to be the truest version of me that I can be by giving in to everything that I want. These are, these are strategies that we come up with in order to force growth in ourselves. Because the person who's restricting themselves and the person who's not restricting themselves is both trying to, both of them are trying to move themselves to another level by doing the opposite thing, right? So the point is we don't know, and I've tried to highlight some, some ways that we try to make this happen that don't necessarily work. Um, so I'm thankful <laughs> that this is not the only agricultural story that Jesus told. I want to look at one more, and we're going to look in uh, the book of John, John chapter 15, it's on page 1126 in these blue Bibles, John chapter 15. And hopefully we'll get some encouragement this morning to start off our new year. John chapter 15 is, uh, is really interesting to me. Um, the book of John is a biography about Jesus written by one of his closest friends. And the way it's written, he starts off with like a theological introduction in chapter one. It's really kind of confusing. But then he starts to tell the story of the life of Jesus, and he covers about three years in 12 chapters. He takes 12 chapters to, to, um, to cover three years. Then it's almost like the whole book goes into slow motion, and he takes the next 12 chapters to discuss one evening. So half of the book is about three years, and the other half of the book is about one evening. It's the night before and the, the day that follows when Jesus was going to be crucified. So this is Jesus' last night on earth, and he turns to his disciples, the men that have been following him, the men that say that they love him, and he begins to teach them, knowing that this is his last night with them on earth, he begins to teach them everything that they need to know. And chapter 15 is in the middle of that conversation. So Jesus turns to his disciples in John 15 and says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. 
Already you were clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So, Jesus' last um, time to instruct his disciples, he uh, gives them this illustration of 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 a vine and branches. He says, if you want to have life, if you want to have fruit, if you want to have growth, you need to understand the nature of where you are. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you want to have life, you need to be connected to me. You need to abide in me. There needs to be be a connection here, and you draw your life from me. Abide in me. And then you'll bear much fruit. So as we begin, as we begin to ask the question, how do we grow, and we look to Jesus to begin to answer this question, we come to understand at the very beginning that we are designed to need Jesus in order to grow. It doesn't work any other way. He says it over and over again. Um, And he... uh, Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says it twice in, in this passage. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot grow. You cannot achieve And if you do, at the very end, what have you actually accomplished? So how many of us like really like to consider ourselves as being a dried branch, like just a a dead stick on the ground? Like, is that really like going to boost up your uh, self-image? Self-esteem, anybody? No? Okay. I kind of get it. Like, when I look at my life and I look at how, like, my brain works, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty much a dried stick. That's probably, a, <laughs> that's probably like, a, a, a really generous estimation of myself. But Jesus looks at us and says, y'all are dried sticks. The good news is, if you attach the dried stick to this life-giving vine, then you get life. Um, you get some pruning to make your life more fruitful, which means that you don't just get to exist as the dried stick that you always have been. There's going to be some reshaping. There's going to be some reprioritizing. But that's all for your good because that's going to bring you or help you to bear more fruit. But unless you're connected to me, it's not going to work. Jesus, uh, somewhere else in Scripture, um, in Colossians chapter 1, um, goes on and on. We'll talk about this more in this series. But Jesus is the source of life for all creation. That none of us exists apart from him in the sense that he made everything. And yet, he's inviting us to have a closer connection with him than we would have in our natural state. Are we connected to Jesus? 
you want to know how to grow, <laughs> I don't have a lot for you. I actually like, need to understand this myself. But one thing that I am convinced of and one thing that I do want to share with you, the first thing that I want to share with you is that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Your efforts will be in vain and they'll be unfulfilling. That preacher that I told you about that said, I have no idea how anything works and you should do everything because you don't know what's going to be good or what's going to be bad or if nothing's going to be good, he actually had everything. <laughs> he lived a life that he succeeded in everything that he wanted to succeed. His kingdom grew to be the biggest that it ever, ever had been. He had the most wealth of anybody who had ever lived before him in that kingdom. He was the greatest king. He was the wisest king. He had all the women that he could possibly want. Nobody ever said no to this king. He had it all. He says, I don't know how it works. Elsewhere in that sermon that I read from, he says, vanity, vanity. Everything is vanity. All of life is chasing after the wind. So even though he had accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish, even though he had acquired all the wealth that he wanted to acquire, even though he had um, satisfied every lust of his heart and his body, he said, yeah, nothing means anything. Unless you're following God. We're designed to need Jesus in order to grow. Are we connected to Jesus? Now, how we answer this question, um, there's, there's some nuance to it. Are we connected to Jesus? Some of us would say, no, I'm not connected to Jesus. Um, I'm just hearing about him for the first time, or like I don't really know anything about him, but I'm definitely not connected to him. Like I'm trying to figure it out. Like, I, maybe some of us are saying, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't want to be connected with him. I don't know why you're talking to me about him. Great, I'm glad you're in the sound of my voice. I'm glad you're hearing this conversation. I'm glad you're wrestling with some of these thoughts. I'd encourage you to continue to explore Jesus because I think the next phase of that is you're not connected to Jesus, but you're curious. You're trying to understand who is this guy? What does he have? What does he want to do in my life? Like I'm, I know I'm not connected with him, but I'm exploring and I'm trying to find out where he's at and what he's doing and what he wants from me. Um, and so I'm glad you're hearing me too. Like This is awesome. I'm glad to be able to introduce you to him. Um, some of us would say, no, I, don't, I, I don't think I'm connected to him, but I'm kind of close by. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the vicinity. I'm, I'm in the garden. So I, like I'm a dead stick, but I've kind of wandered over to the grapevine. But I'm just kind of laying there beside him. And I'm kind of hoping, like, I'm with the other sticks. I'm kind of near the other branches. I'm kind of mingling in with them. I'm trying to get to know them a little bit. But, like, I'm hoping they don't notice that I'm not connected. That's a dangerous place to be. Being next to the vine is not the same as being uh, connected to the vine. And even if you prune yourself or prim yourself up to look like the finest branch among the branches, if you're not connected to him, the source of life, then it doesn't matter. So I'd encourage you, if you are interested in this, this church community thing and you're trying to blend in a little bit or you're trying to figure out how it works, like stop for a moment. <laughs> And turn your attention to Jesus and connect to him. Because I don't care. I really don't care if you ever connect to neighborhood church. If you connect and spend your whole life invested in neighborhood church and don't connect to Jesus, then I have failed you. So please, point your life to him. <laughs> Some of us would say, yeah, like I trust Jesus. I prayed the prayer. 
um, like I walked the aisle, I did all that as a kid, or like I kind of am, have started this relationship with him, but we're, we're hot and cold, we're off and on. Like um, maybe we were connected, but the connection got damaged, the branch got broken, or, or something like that. Um, the cool thing about Jesus is like he is the source of life, and he wants to repair that connection, and he is able to repair that connection. You are not so far from him. You have not messed up so much that he would not reconcile you to himself. He would not restore that relationship and be friends with you again, that you could be fully connected to him. And some of us would say, yeah, I'm definitely connected. I'm following Jesus. I want to do what he says. I want to be who he wants me to be. Um, But this thing he writes, he writes, like, I'm writing you all these things so that your joy may, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Like, I'm I'm into Jesus, but, like, the whole joy thing is not working in my life. Like, that's not coming out of me. So, Yes, I'm connected, but something's not flowing right. I'm I'm glad you're hearing this, because this is where I often find myself. This is where I find myself this morning. When I look at the circumstances of my life, and I'm like, yeah, but like, (laughs) this thing is going on right here. And Jesus, don't you see what's going on? Can't you see how I've been faithful to you? And it still doesn't work. Like, people are still mad at me, or people are still um, being hostile for no reason. Like, Jesus, why don't you fix this? so that I can be happy, so that I can have some joy. Like, joy is not coming out of me. Like, what's coming out of me is frustration and anger. Will you help me with this? And that's, I think, where Jesus wants us to be. There are probably a few of us among us that say, yes, I'm connected with Jesus, and I'm walking in the fullness of his joy. Life is good, and I'm so happy for you, and I'm so glad that you're here, and you're hearing my voice, and I just ask you to continue to spend time with us and teach us your ways of how better to follow and be connected with Jesus. But that connection point is intimacy. That connection point isn't just like I prayed a prayer, I signed a contract, and now I'm going on with my life as as if nothing had ever changed. It's the beginning of a relationship. Um, It's the beginning of a process by which Jesus wants you to grow. And this is what we're going to explore over the next couple of weeks. Jesus wants us to grow by being connected to him, um, by gathering together with his people, by celebrating his work, uh, by learning together more about him, and by serving. So it's kind of an overview of where we're going to be the next couple of weeks. And we'll come back to all of those steps. But if we miss the first part of connecting with Jesus, then none of it's going to matter. We read together from Psalm 139 this morning. Over and over, in a bunch of different ways, the psalmist writes, like, no matter what I do, God, you see me. No matter where I tried to hide, you're there. You know my, my laying down. You know my rising up. You know everything that's going on. You know everything I'm doing with my hands. You know all the thoughts of my heart. I cannot hide from you. If you cannot hide from God, church, then will you embrace him? Instead of holding him off at a, a arm's length and saying, I really don't want you to mess this up. I really don't want you to get involved in what I'm trying to fix up here. Just embrace him. Embrace Jesus. The thing about him is that he's not who we think he is. And this is, I would say this for each of us. Um, the, 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 the nature of a relationship is that we are constantly learning the other person. Have you ever been, um, you've had a long friendship with somebody, or maybe this happens in your marriage. Um, you've had some kind of long relationship with somebody where you think you know the person, and then they do something that's like absolutely out of the left field. You're like, where did that come from? I thought I knew you. 
um, I don't think she'll mind me sharing. This actually happened with me and Jesse this week. We were um, playing a game, on, on, and um, she's like, I was like, do you want to play this game? She's like, yeah, I'll play this game. It'd be fun. And she's like, I used to play games all the time. I'm like, you did? She's like, yeah, I used to play a, a bunch of stuff. She's like, um, one of my favorite games actually was Doom on the computer. I'm like, Doom? I can't imagine you playing a first-person shooter. Like, that's astonishing. So, like, watch out for Jesse. Like, she... <laughs> We've been married for 11 years, and we dated for a significant amount of time before that, and like this was the first I had heard of it. The thing about walking with somebody is that there are always new levels to know them at. And so Jesus, however you understand him today, walking with Jesus will take you into a deeper understanding of who he is. How you picture him today will be different, if you continue to walk with him, than how you see him next year. So embracing him is not signing a contract, it's... it's joining your life together with him to walk with him in intimacy. He's a person. He's not a religious idea. He's not a list of doctrinal concepts that you can sign on the dotted line and say, I believe these. And his resolution for you is that you'd be connected to him and that you'd grow. So will we embrace him? You, because we are designed to need Jesus in order to grow. He built it into us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for how you speak to us. Um, and God, I pray that if in any of the things that I said today, um, my opinion or something wrong came out of my mouth. God, I pray that those things would be quickly forgotten, but that your word would stand true here. That your spirit would guide us to latch on to your truth and that you would um, root it in our hearts and bring it to fruition. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to know what our next steps are and that you would give us the faith to do them. For those of us that are not connected to you and we want to be, I pray that you'd help us to have that first conversation, that introduction. For those of us who have kind of been, um, been connected, but the connection's been damaged, God, I pray that you, in your love and your grace, would restore us and strengthen us and fill us with your life. God, for those of us that are doing great and joy is bubbling out of us, God, I pray, I thank you for them. Thank you for their season. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to grow your fruit through them. We lay our lives before you. We ask that you would do with them what you will. Would you lead us and guide us this week? It's in your name we pray. Amen.